almost night anyways, but <laughs> Lord, uh, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you that you are here with us and that you will lead us and guide us and help us to speak the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right, and the words that will teach us of healing in Jesus' mighty name. Glory Amen. to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about when God delivers you, your deliverance is complete. When God delivers you, your deliverance is complete. Uh, we, we talked last week, and we've talked about it in times past, that when um, you receive Christ, you receive the entire full package of the work of salvation or the work of redemption or the work of Christ. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10 and let's look at this. Romans chapter 10. There's Glory to God. Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That word saved is the Greek word sozo. That's the Greek word sozo. And it means to be, it, it, that word saved in other places in the New Testament is translated healed or oh. made whole. Um, in other places, it's referred to be delivered through to be delivered of the of devils and demons that actually bring sickness on your body, um, and it's used uh, about. I believe it, if 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 my memory serves, because we've been looking at a lot of stuff, I believe that it refers to sozo um, in reference to healing about fifty times in the New Testament, about fifty times. And I believe that it uh, refers to uh, your spiritual birth or your spiritual salvation. I believe, was it 40 times, I think, something, something like, like that. that, somewhere around in that thing. So, when, so this was a very commonly used word um, in the time of Christ and in the time of the disciples. And so when they heard the word sozo, what they heard was the total package of salvation. They heard being made healed, being made whole, being delivered from devils and demons, being saved, having an eternal life with Christ. It was a complete package. Um, and so often when we today uh, say, well, receive Jesus and, and be saved, so often we put in there with it, uh, basically the implication that we use is obtain eternal life which you do obtain eternal life, but you obtain so much more. If it was simply about receiving eternal life, then there was no need for Jesus to have the crown of thorns put on his head. If it was just about eternal life, there was no need for the whipping post. If it was just about your salvation, there was no need for even him to be pierced in the side. He could have simply had the sins of the world laid upon him and gone into the grave, and that would have been it. That, could have, that, could, that would have been it. Um, but it was about so much more. Because when you're separated from God, then you, go, you, go, you, you leave God's kingdom and you go into Satan's kingdom. And when you go into Satan's kingdom, he, has, he is... Uh, the author, uh, we could say this, he is the author and finisher of sickness, disease, and death. Uh, um, Dr. Lillian Yeoman said this. She said, uh, disease is the beginning of the death process. Now, it's kind of a harsh way to think about it, but if it wasn't for the help of modern medicine, which God gives, us the wisdom, gives our doctors the wisdom and knowledge to do that, uh, many people would not live as long as they live because our medicine today um, actually helps to undo the work of the devil. 
And if it wasn't God's will for you to be healed, if God was the one putting sickness on you, then your doctors would be working against God, and you yourself, if you went to the doctor to get help, would be working against God. Um, but how much you know that's not true? It's God's will for every person to be healed. And if we don't have the faith or if we've got things in our life that are blocking us from receiving that healing, then God gives us the ability to have the wisdom of doctors to help us until such time as we can get right with God and get into faith with God and receive the full healing. Um, so, so health and healing is part of the package. There is no, if you're a resident of heaven, which the Bible says if you're in Christ that you're now a citizen of heaven, if you're a citizen of heaven, then there's no sickness in your homeland. There's no sickness in heaven. Uh, Dad, um, David Ingalls, he's a wonderful psalmist of the Lord, he has a song called Heavenly Flu. And what, he said, what he's saying in there is he's saying, I've heard of the swine flu, and I've heard of the bird flu, and I've heard of all these other flus, but I've never heard of a heavenly flu because there's no sickness in heaven. Sickness does not come from the Father. Sickness comes from being separated from God. So in order for Jesus to undo the work of Satan, he also had to undo the work of sickness, which is why he had to go to the whipping post because, he had, because that was the place that sickness was laid upon him. It was at the whipping post that every sickness, no matter what the name is, even sickness, I mean, we just had the pandemic where a sickness that nobody's ever heard of uh, came into existence. Well, God knew about that sickness, and that sickness was laid upon Jesus back there at the whipping post. And he took that sickness for us. And the reason that sickness was able to be laid upon him is because he chose to take on the penalty of sin. He didn't choose to just take on the weight of sin, or to take the sin itself, but he also chose to take the weight or the punishment or the consequence of that sin. And so in the New Testament, sozo indicates that when God delivers you from sin, he also delivers you from sickness and disease. So I said last week, I said this last week, I said, you are as healed and whole as you are saved. But we don't have that, but it takes some time to get that revelation. You know, when, you, when somebody becomes born again and they're dealing with the behaviors of the flesh, they'll sometimes tell you, I don't feel very saved. Well, I understand you don't feel very saved, but check down in your spirit. Is there something on the inside that tells you that you're heaven bound? Oh, yeah, I got that. So you know that you are saved. Yeah, but if you look at my behavior, you sure wouldn't think it. Well, let's work on that. Let's get the behavior to manifest correctly. Well, sickness is the same way. See, you can't, when somebody truly receives Christ and they've got that witness on the inside, you can't talk them out of their salvation. In fact, I often say this. This is often how you can tell if somebody's truly saved or not. You can ask them, are you heaven bound? And if they... Praise the Lord. He said, yep, <laughs> yep, praise the Lord. You know, if you've got that witness on the inside, I can't convince you that you're not heaven bound. Well, the devil is going to, what the devil does a lot of times to get people into sickness is he puts pressure on them and, and symptoms on them to get them to, to, to believe that they're sick. Well, how much do you know? Uh, your body can act unsaved. It can also act sick. Well, when your body acts unsaved, what do you tell it? No, we ain't doing that. No, we're not accepting that behavior. No, we ain't doing No, we're not going that way. Well, when sickness attacks, you got to do the same thing. It takes time to get it down on the inside of you that your you know, body, we ain't doing this. For salvation, the same thing applies to health and healing. You've got to get in the plate. You've got to understand from from the position of the word, that you are as healed as you are saved. 
and it takes and and what that takes to get to that place where you can't where nobody can talk you out of your health including the devil it takes spending much time in the word it takes confessing the word it takes speaking the word it is a little nippy in here i'll adjust it it is a little nippy i'm i'm seeing them bundle up and i'm going i'm a little goose bumpy myself <laughs> so um, you know, the temperature dropped, what, 10, 15 degrees during the day today? It's dropped a lot. Not really. Well, that's what it feels like anyway. I guess it's the moisture in the air. But back to what I was saying, you've got to get it on the inside of you that if I come, see, if I come to you, like I, I just I just asked the question, do you know that you're heaven bound? And Zach said, yep, I know it. I, with a smile, yeah, I know it. Well, somebody says, well, there's sickness attacking your body or your body shows symptoms at you. When that happens, when that symptom comes on you, you've got to have that, that knowing on the inside. Uh, sickness? Uh-uh. No, I'm the healed of the Lord. You have no legal right on me. You know, if somebody comes and says, you know, family's horrible about this. My aunt was real bad about it, you know, because she was the oldest of the five. So she got to the mile markers of life before the rest of them did. And so she'd say things like, oh, when you get to this age, this ailment comes on you. And when you get to this age, this ailment comes. Yeah, and when you get to this age, this too. ailment comes. Now, when you get to, when you get to, you know, when you get in your mid-40s, just get ready. You're going to have to get some glasses. You know, you're just going to have to get them. When you get into your 60s now, then your hormones go crazy and your bones get brittle and all this stuff happens. When you get to 70, well, your body just falls apart. It just, it just falls apart, it just quits. Well, how much do you know? When the family starts talking to you that way, you've got to, be, you've got to know that you know that you're the healed of the Lord to the point that when, that, when you get squeezed that way, just as boldly as you'd say, no, I'm saved and I'm heaven bound, you've got to be just as bold to say, no, I'm the healer of the Lord and no sickness can touch me. Because God's deliverance is complete. Now, God's deliverance was not just complete in the New Testament. It was also complete in the Old Testament. And, uh, and I want to show you this example, and we're going to go to the book of Exodus to the book of Exodus, and we're just going to pick up some excerpts here and there out of the Word, and uh, we're just going to pick up so Exodus chapter 1, we, we, know, we know the beginning of this. This is where Moses comes into the picture. And uh, Pharaoh had uh, the Egyptian or the Egyptians the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, who, whose name was changed to Israel, his descendants, Jacob and his sons, um, or they, they, the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, went into Egypt during the time of a famine. During the time of a famine, they went into Egypt, and um, they, they had great favor. Joseph had great favor uh, with Pharaoh, and he... Uh, God used him. Remember, Joseph had the coat of many colors. Remember, his mom made the coat of different furs and different things. That's why it was many different colors. A lot of people today think that it was all dyed, all these different colors. No, it was just different furs that were combined together, so it had different colors. Um, and uh, at least that's my understanding from research. Um, and, and so it was a, a coat of value, and she had made it for, for Joseph, which was the youngest of the sons, because um, Jacob had 12 sons. And remember, the, the older sons got um, jealous, and, and they aimed to do away with Joseph. And they dug a pit and got him, you know, they got him to fall into the pit that was meant to kill the wild, and the wild cats. And, you know, they were going to kill him and leave him for dead. But then, um, you know, but instead some travelers came through, and they ended up selling them into slavery. But they told Israel or Jacob that, that he had died. So Jacob thought he was dead. Meanwhile, Joseph, 
is in bondage, is in slavery to the pharaohs of Egypt. And remember, then he had some dreams. Uh, well, then he was a servant, and he was doing really good, and he was, he was really heading up. He was doing good in Egypt. But then Pharaoh's wife decided that she wanted to uh, romance him, and he turned her down. And so she got mad, and she accused him of trying to rape her, and he ended up in prison. And then he, while he was in prison, he interpreted the dream of the baker and the, can, and the butcher and the candlestick maker and all that. No, but in any case, he interpreted the dreams, and then uh, they, the, the, uh, Pharaoh pulled one of them out, and, David, and Joseph said, hey, don't forget me. And he forgot him. And then the other one went up because the, then the king had the dream. Uh, Pharaoh had this dream and wanted to know what the dream went. Nobody could tell him what he, nobody could tell Pharaoh what they meant. And he was going to kill all of his magicians, all of his pagan worshipers that told him the future. And, uh, and finally, uh, one of them spoke up and said, hey, when I was in prison, there was a guy that could tell me my dream and the dream came to pass. So they went and got Joseph. So Joseph comes out. And the king tells him what his dream was, and Joseph tells him what the dream means, and it comes to pass. And Joseph ends up um, almost with as much power, power as Pharaoh himself over time. And remember, famine hit the land, and in due time, Jacob, uh, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for aid. And, and Joseph immediately recognized them and sent, back, sent the brothers back and said, bring the father. And so when the whole family was there, Joseph said, this is who I am. And, uh, and Benjamin's and all in that. And so, so they all come, and they end up uh, living in Egypt during the famine. And they end up serving Pharaoh. And they have great, great favor with Pharaoh. And they end up getting and they come with their families and their wives and their children, and they're having grandchildren. And they're growing, and they're taking care of things, and everything's looking really good for uh, Joseph and all of his family, for Jacob and all of his family, all of his sins. Everything looks really good. But then Pharaoh dies, and Pharaoh's son takes over. And Pharaoh's son was not a good man. And Pharaoh's son decided that Joseph and his family, having all of this power and authority, was not good. And so he took the Joseph and his descendants into slavery. And they've been in slavery at this point for 400 years. For nearly 400 years they've been in slavery. So if you know anything about slavery, uh, you don't keep your slaves healthy. You don't keep them healthy. You keep them uh, just barely getting by. Because if they're healthy, if they're rich, if they're prosperous, if they have all this ability, then they're not going to lay down and do what you want them to do so easily. So I said all of that to say these people had, because this is a period of 400 years, these people had a very broken mentality that this is life, this is how it is, this is what we're destined for. This is, this is just what life is. But then, so, and, and we go through a couple of pharaohs, a couple of pharaohs, and each pharaoh is worse than the one before. And so now the pharaoh that's in charge, because even though these Jew, these Israelites, now check this out, even though these Israelites are slaves, and the Egyptians are giving them limited food and limited supplies and limited ability, these Israelites somehow manage to continue to prosper and they continue to, to have children and their numbers continue to grow. And their numbers are growing so much that Pharaoh gets in fear that at some point the Israelites are going to outnumber the Egyptians. So he commands them to kill their sons. If their sons are, if, if, if a Jewish woman, an Israelite woman gets pregnant and she gives birth to, their, to a son, they're to kill the son. That's what they decided. Well, 
we understand that Moses was one of those sons. Let's look here in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, let's start in uh, verse 12. All right. Exodus 1, 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more, the more the Egyptians did mean, horrible things, the more the Jews multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter and hard, with hard bondage, in mortar and brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. This is a type and shadow of how Satan uses people today. This is a type and shadow. If you will not listen to the Lord your God, if you'll not obey what he says, if you'll, not, if, if you'll surrender to the tactics of Satan or if you'll surrender to the tactics of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the flesh is going to put you in some rigorous situations, some, some hard situations. So this is a type and shadow of what it's like to be in service to, to the devil. Verse 15, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was uh, Sipra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then ye shall live, or that she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered before the midwives come, come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. So God knew that the devil was out to kill their children. So God caused the, the, the Hebrew women, the Israelites, to, to have quick labor and quick delivery so that they, would have, that they would deliver the children before the midwives would even get there. You know, and he could have delayed the midwives, we don't know, but basically the, the child's been delivered, the mom is up, the husband's in, and now the midwife is not there and cannot dispose of the child. Um, you know, and, and here's how you know that this is Satan. Because Satan's number one tactic is to kill. He's the influence behind this because his number one tactic is to kill. He's the one influencing this behavior. He's the one that influences the behavior of killing babies today. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river. And every daughter ye shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi. Oh. Where did we go? We went to chapter two. Okay. Okay. And there went a house. Uh, went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Uh, it, it, we ought to skip down because this is just talking about uh, okay. Moses' parents. Well, it, it doesn't get just. We, we're good. Okay. It's only right. a couple of verses. <laughs> and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a godly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not or could not longer hide him, she took for, for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with the slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river brink, river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit that would be done to him to see what, what would happen. And the daughter of... Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go, and this is Moses' sister, mm -hmm. Shall I go 
and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So Moses' name means to draw out of the water. Out their name. If you go down through this chapter for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of this stuff. We know it. But basically, uh, Moses was a Hebrew, an Israelite, that basically uh, was the adopted grandson of Pharaoh. He really was. So he had all of the freedoms that Pharaoh would offer. He basically, type and shadow, he basically had all of the freedoms that the devil will get will promise somebody but in order to do that he had to deny who he truly was and he did that for a season he had the education he had the dress he had the money he had the prestige he had all of that but he knew that the real him was a hebrew and so when he got of some age and he saw how uh, Pharaoh treated the other Hebrews. It angered him, and he and he and he he being a Hebrew, he knew uh, he had fellowship with God, and he knew what God had laid upon his heart. He knew that God had laid it upon his heart to set his fellow Hebrews free, but Moses tried to do it his own might and power. How much do you know? God will give you an assignment, and, pay, and you'll try to go out and do it in your own might and power. And he failed. And he failed. In fact, he failed so bad, he ended up murdering an Egyptian. And then, the other, and, then and one of his Hebrew people that he was trying to rescue saw him do it and was like, you're going to kill me too? So now he's like, well, the people that I'm here to deliver are coming against me. It's type and shadow of Jesus. It's type and shadow of Jesus. But how much you know, God used Moses to deliver his people. It took some time. Because after he, because he was around 40 years old when this happened. And then remember, he went into the, and then remember when, after he committed the murder, he went on the backside of the mountain and got him a wife and served his father-in-law for 40 years. So Moses was the age of 80 when God got a hold of him, and God said, uh, <laughs> Moses, it's time. It's time. Remember the burning bush and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then, and Moses said, well, I don't qualify. I stutter sounds just like us Christians today. We disqualify ourselves cause it's because we look at our inabilities instead of God's ability. But God had a plan to deliver not only Moses from his history, but he had a plan to deliver all of the Hebrews from the hands of the enemy. And, and so where I want to pick up is where Moses begins to confront Pharaoh. He begins to confront Pharaoh. And when you first begin to confront, and so sickness and disease will act a whole lot like... Uh, yeah. Uh, sickness and disease will act a whole lot like Pharaoh acted towards Moses. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God sent me. God's given me the authority, the power, and the might to tell you to leave, to let the Hebrew people go, to take your, your penalties against them, to take your sickness and disease against them, and release them. And what did Pharaoh say? No. In fact, Pharaoh dug in his heels and got that much more strict on the Hebrews. Sickness will also behave this way. When you begin to stand against sickness, especially because sickness is brought on by principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness, when you begin to stand against these things, when you begin to say, no, I'm not taking this sickness, 
that sickness at time will, at times will be will dig its heels in, and you'll see it'll seem like the sickness is getting worse. Why? Because it does, because that sickness does not want to be evicted, because that sickness is placed there by Satan, and if you're evicting the sickness, then you're evicting Satan, and he doesn't want to be evicted. So let's pick up in chapter 5, verse 1. Is that where we're going? Sounds like a good spot. Okay. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey this voice to let Israel go? I know well, let's, let's back up to chapter 4. back up to 4, yep. Let's okay. back up to chapter 4. We, we, got, we got right there to the last plague. Let's, let's back up at least a plague or two. Okay. <laughs> so where do you want to go then? Verse, we'll start in 4.1. Okay. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. God was showing Moses. See, because Moses saw... Check this out. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's court. Moses saw the evil works that Pharaoh and his servants could do. Moses knew that Pharaoh had servants that could do great evil works. And so Moses was afraid of them. He had seen things like the magician's staffs turn into serpents. And so God said, and so Moses is going, they're not going to believe me. They're going to make fun of me. They're gonna, he's going to send these sorcerers. He's going to send these pagan gods. He's going to send these devils and demons after me. And God said, Moses, throw your rod down on the ground. And Moses threw his rod down on the ground, and his own rod, his own walking stick, turned into a snake. Now, you know me, I'm the first one on an invisible on a six foot invisible chair if a snake comes my way. So I can relate to Moses. I'm backing off too. And if God says, Now pick it up by the tail, I'm thinking, uh, no, Jesus. Not gonna happen. But if I'm talking to the Lord God, I'm I might be more afraid of God than the snake. So that's what he did, is he what was God doing? God was revealing to him that his power was greater than Pharaoh's power and greater than Pharaoh's servants. And this is a type and shadow of showing that God's power in you and through you is greater than any sickness or disease that tries to attach itself to you. To you. So let's read a little bit more. So this is, this is before the plagues even start. He's showing Moses that he's with him. All right, verse five. Now they that that now they may believe, or that they may believe, that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. How much and, you know that sickness and disease? And he said. Put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into, into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as other flesh. Basically, put your hand in your shirt, take it out, it's leprosy. Put your hand back in your shirt, take it out, and it's clean. Why? Again, he's showing, he's giving Moses, so what he's giving Moses is he's giving Moses some, some faith victories. So that Moses knows that God is on his side. So that Moses knows that God's power is greater than Pharaoh's power or Satan's power. So you got to know that you know. Like I said in the beginning, you got to know that you know that you're saved and you got to know that you know that you're healed. Well, 
Moses knew that God was God, but he didn't know, and, uh, but he had not seen God's power. He had only seen Satan's power. So God was showing Moses, I, my power is not only just as good, but my power is greater, greater. So there's no doubt that sickness has power, but God's power is greater. Let's keep going. All right. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon dr the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Now this is equivalent to saying, well, Lord, I understand that you're great and you're powerful and you're mighty, but I'm just, I just don't think, I just don't think you can flow through me. How much do you know? The devil will try to convince you that God's healing power will not work for you. He's going to try to convince you that God's healing power is not going to work for you. And, and so he's making excuses. We make excuses frequently as to why um, we can't receive healing. And he said, and, and look at what God does. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have I not, or have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be, with thy, shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. So Moses was advocating for somebody else to believe, to be used by God. And God said, I'll let you have somebody to encourage you and help you along the way, but you've got to do it. So we can get, God's going to give you people to help you, teach you, encourage you, stir you, stand beside you, get an agreement, but for you to receive your healing, for you to master your authority over sickness and disease, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to do the work. This is a type and shadow, type and shadow. He's saying, Moses, you're going to have to do the work. I'll give you some support, but you're going to have to do it. So Moses goes along, for the sake of time, Moses goes along, and he finally gets an agreement with God. How much do you know? You can put up with sickness for so long, but eventually, if you're true, if you, you'll put up with anything until you're tired of putting up with it, and then you'll change. And so basically, Moses finally got an agreement with God, and Moses got with Aaron, and Aaron said, Brother, I'll go with you and support you. I'll, I'll be there to stand with you. I'll help you talk to the people, but you're going to have to be the one to do the work. And they end up going before Pharaoh. And, Fer and, they, and, and he tells Pharaoh, he says, Which let, happens in chapter 5. Which happens in chapter 5. <laughs> he says, let my pe He said, God said to let his people go. That's the same thing you have to say to sickness. When sickness grabs a hold of you, when sickness has to attach it, when sickness attaches itself to you, you're not asking the Father to, to cause the sickness to go because Jesus has already obtained the freedom from the sickness. What you have to do is you have to go to the sickness, you have to go to Pharaoh, and you have to command that sickness 
to release you. So instead of let my people go, it's let my body go. Let my body go. Let my flesh go. And when that sickness digs in its heels, you're going to have to go back again and say, I told you to release my body. And when that sickness digs in its heels, the more I told you to release my body. Now, what God did in Egypt is God, with every plague, every single plague that came against the Egyptians, was a direct plague against one of Egypt's gods. Most people don't know that, uh, but but the Egyptians served many, many gods, and so what God was doing when He allowed these plagues to come on them is He was mocking their gods, because their gods were supposed to protect them from the things that were coming, and their gods could do nothing about it, because God brought it on them, or allowed it to come. God caused it to come, and because God caused it to come, uh, they, were, they couldn't do anything about it. Now, Pharaoh's demons, servants, they weren't demons, but this is a type and shadow, were able to match God's power miracle for miracle to a degree. To a degree, the sickness is going to be able to resist your command to a degree. But if you'll stay with it and you keep commanding and you keep commanding and you keep praising the Lord and you keep commanding, at some point that, that sickness will have to yield and bow to Jesus. Uh, we've dealt with demons. Remember uh, when uh, over in the book of Acts and the seven sons of Sceva went up against the demon-possessed man? And they didn't, have, they didn't know who Jesus was. They just knew that Paul preached Jesus and the demons came out, but they didn't know who Jesus was. And, and so they went to cast this demon out by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Remember that demon grabbed a hold of that man's vocal cords and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. In other words, that demon said, Jesus I'm well acquainted with. I'm, I'm fully aware of his power and authority. And Paul, I've heard that he, uh, that he also knows Jesus and that he knows his power and authority. I haven't met him face to face, but I understand that he knows who Jesus is. But who are you? Brother Randy, the first time that he, when he was in prison, and the Lord dealt with him to cast a demon out of somebody, uh, and, and long story short, they got him over in the chaplain's office, and the man wanted to be set free, and what have you, and they did what Jesus did. They said, in the name of Jesus, we command you to come out of him, you foul devil. And that demon that possessed that man grabbed that man's vocal cords and began to growl and snarl and snort and all kinds of things, and then said, come back when you got the power. Taunted him. That's what this man said. Snorting and growling and fussing. Said, you ain't got the power. Come back when you get it. Sickness will do the same thing. Sickness, when you tell sickness to go, it'll look you square in the face and it'll say, come back when you got the power. Well, guess what? We got the power. We've got the authority. Jesus attained the power for us. Now, I want you to jump over to chapter 12. We're going to jump to chapter 12. Uh, so here, they had had, the they had had the plague of the blood, the river, the water turned into blood. They had had the plague of the gnats. They had the plague of the frogs. They had all these plagues, and every one of them mocked their gods mocked their gods well now god is about to bring god is about to mock the last major god and he's about uh to and what's about to happen is the 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 angel of death or the spirit of death uh, because the people because i gotta explain this god is not the author of death the angel of death is not the Lord Jesus. The angel of death is not the Father God. What was happening is the Egyptian gods or the pagan gods had become so mocked 
that that and and so there was no power. There was so much sin that the that the spirit of the spiritual law of death had to take place in the land. God withdrew his hand of protection from Egypt, and now the law of death had to take place in Egypt. That's what was happening. So in order for, God, for God's people to stay under the provision and protection of God, they had to go into their houses, and they had to, to, to uh, kill the sacrificial lamb, and they had to take that blood, and they had to put the blood over the doors and on the side post, which told the angel of God, the angel of death, this house is protected by the Lord God Almighty, and you cannot enter. In other words, because remember, disease brings death. So he, so what the what the blood represent, what the blood says, is disease. You cannot pass into this house. And you cannot blood, come into this house. And the blood represented the blood of Jesus. That's right. And this is a type and shadow of the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is what prevents sickness from being able to attach itself to us. Now, God knew that when this final plague hit, which was going to cause the firstborn son of every Egyptian family and every Egyptian animal was going to die, God knew at that point that Pharaoh would say, get far from me. So he told the Egyptians, I want you to go get this stuff, and then you're going to kill this lamb. And But when you kill this lamb and when you eat this lamb and when you have this Passover supper, be completely dressed in your, in your travel attire. Be ready to travel. Be ready to go. Be ready to escape the bondage of Pharaoh. So when we're putting off sickness, we've got to be ready to get up and go in health. we got to be ready to get up. We can't lay in the bed and wait. We've got to get up, we've got to get dressed, and we've got to be ready to go. We've got to show that we're in faith that God is about to deliver us. So let's pick up in chapter 12, verse 7. Well, no. How about verse 11? How about verse, uh. Okay. Just, how about verse 2? Well, just read it. All right. We, got, we got time. Read fast. This month shall be <laughs> unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take unto them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb, per, a lamb per house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. And here's why. The entire lamb had to be consumed. This is a type and shadow of Jesus. You've got to consume everything that the lamb provides for you. You've got to consume your salvation. You've got to consume your health. You've got to consume your redemption. You've got to consume your prosperity. You've got to consume your well-being. You've got to consume. You've got to take everything that Jesus provided for you when you receive him. Don't take just the little leg and say, well, salvation's good enough. Just the leg's enough. No. Take Take the whole lamb and everything that this lamb's provided for you. Glory to God. Let's keep going. All right. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to it, uh, uh, unto his house, take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take the... This is where the lamb is the type and shadow of Jesus. That's right. Because he's supposed to be without blemish and a male of the sure. first year. <laughs> Which is why he was 33 and a half. That's the first. <laughs> Under Hebrew law, seven years is a, is a Levitical year, and he was halfway through the year, so that's why. You shall take it out from the sheep or from, from the goats, and you shall keep it up 
until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. This is a type of shadow of him going into Jerusalem on Good Friday and all of that. We're not getting into all that right now. And they shall take of the bl blood and strike it unto the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the uh, puritans thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token unto the house, houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Egypt, or from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. Okay, we'll pause right here. So he's telling them exactly how to do the Passover feast. So he does the Passover feast. And so, so they do this. They do everything that they're supposed to do. And the, so that night, the angel, the angel comes through, and all the firstborn die except for that of the Egyptians. Now, for the sake of time, I want you to jump down to verse, uh, do what did I say wrong? Oh, the, the sons of Egypt. Sons of Israel. No. The firstborn of, of the Egyptians died. Okay. The firstborn of the Israelites survived. Right. Because All of right. the blood. Because of the blood. Now, I want you to drop down uh, to uh, verse 33. Jump over to verse 33. Okay. And I know we're having to skip because we don't have time for everything, and, but I want yeah. you to get this. And the Egyptians were urging upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. When, when they woke up and the children were dead, they went to Pharaoh and they said, get rid of these Jews. When they realized what happened, they said, get rid of these Jews. We don't want them here. Get them out of here. They're bringing this because of them. Get these people out of here. But look at what happens. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their, dreadnought, their kneading draughts being brought, bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. The Egyptians were so distraught and so just, they were just overwhelmed in their emotions that their servants, their slaves came to them and said, you know, you want us to leave, you want us to travel. In order to do so, we need gold, we need silver, we need traveling clothes. And the Egyptians opened up their coffers and gave them all their gold, gave them all their silver, gave them their finest clothing. The, the Israelites went from, from severe poverty of slavery into the full wealth of the Egyptians. They went into this full wealth. So God did not just set them free from the slavery of Pharaoh, but God sent them out with great wealth and great provision. Let's read just a little bit more. Verse 37. 
And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. So this is the number of, now at this time, because the, they didn't count the women and they didn't count the children, it was 600,000 men. 600,000 men. Well, if the men were all married, that's 600,000 women. That's 1,200,000 women. Adults plus the number of children. Well, 1.2 million, but that's okay. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. But let's keep going because that's that, it, it. It gets crazier than that. Keep going. All right. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds and even uh, very much cattle. The mixed multitude were people from other lands that were also brought into slavery that had accepted the Jewish, the, the Hebrews' God. So it wasn't just bloodline, but it was other people that had accepted uh, the one true God. There's a lot of people. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victuals. Now, so now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. So they had they stayed there for four hundred and thirty years. And it came to pass at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out of, from the land of Egypt. The angels of the Lord went. All of the angels of the Lord went encompassed round about Israel to protect them, to protect them. When you come into Christ, you receive a legion of angels that, that come around about you to help you and to protect you. So not only were they set free from bondage, not only were they given great wealth, not only were they given great raiment, but they were also given a personal protection uh Secret Service, Personal go. Protection Unit, whatever you want to call it. A supernatural protection and a supernatural, the angels are, are messengers from heaven that are to serve the heirs of salvation. You personally received your own supernatural servants. This is big. See, God's God. when God delivers, he delivers you completely. Turn to Psalms 105. Psalms 105 and 37. Psalms 105 and 37. Because it really sums it up. Because you got to remember, these people are all on foot. These people are all on foot. They are fixing to have to escape... From, we're not going to read it tonight because we don't have time, but they are fixing to on foot escape Pharaoh's army because, and his army is in chariots and on horses. And these people on foot have to escape. Now, if they were, now you would think being in slavery for 430 years, you would think that they would be sick, that they would be weak, that they would be feeble that they would have all kinds of uh, issues with getting around because this is not just the young children, but this is also the very elderly Jews who had lived to, the, to an older age. And so you would expect that in this line of um, hundreds of thousands of people traveling through the desert to get away from Pharaoh, you would expect there to be some stragglers. It was more than a million. Right. At least. You would expect there to be some, tra some, some stragglers. But every single one of them crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Look at this verse. Uh, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one feeble one. So when God delivers you, he delivers you completely. He delivers you financially. He delivers you spiritually. He delivers your, you uh, uh, mentally, emotionally. Uh, it, it, he delivers you physically. He delivers you in every way. 
Jesus. It's a whole, it's a complete package. It's a complete package. There's nothing that you need that wasn't provided in the redemption work of Christ. Healing is part of that package. But what you're going to have to do to obtain that healing is you're going to have to get into the word. You're going to have to get to the place where you know that you know that you know that healing belongs to you. Like you know that you know that you know that heaven belongs to you. And you've got to, and you've got to get to the place where when sickness attacks, you don't go, oh, I'm sick. I'm worn out. I'm old. I'm broken. No, you've got to get to the place where you look at that sickness and you say, sickness let me go in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's how you obtain your healing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, that was the message that the Lord laid on my heart for you guys tonight. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we see things that we've not seen in the Word before grow in us and mature in us. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Well, there it is. You want to do our tithe and offering? We'll pray over it. Okay. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for being here with us. And we thank you for leading and guiding us and drawing us closer to you and helping us to become more like you because that is what our heart is set on. And, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son. He gave so much more than we could ever ever hope to accomplish, ever hope to match. So, Lord, we, we want to give unto your kingdom. We want to give with a, with a joyful heart because you gave so much more unto us than we could ever, ever accomplish ourselves. So, Lord, we want to give unto your kingdom. We want to give with a joyful heart. We give so that your work can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, for your, your many blessings and for the mercy and grace of your son, Jesus Christ. And we, we ask that you bless our offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your work here on earth. And, Lord, we just love you, and we, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Satan, you release and let go the finances that belong to these people. Ministering angels, go. Cause their finances, their increase to come in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that the word is true and that the word is working. Amen and amen. Glory to God. If you've got an offering, you can sow it. If not, then, you know, pray.